Welcome back to another All About Jesus podcast. Um, I got Richard, uh, Brother Richard Wanstetler out here from Bethany. Uh, we've kind of become friends through the Kirkley Chapel. He uh, preached at a Man Up Revival at Gilman at the last one we have, and just uh, he started coming out here to my house and just kind of mentoring me and uh, teaching me. And today as he come out, I just thought, you know, we ought to start doing a, a weekly podcast of a teaching of whatever the Lord uh, lays on him or me. And uh, so today we just sitting here just like, well, we just ought to go ahead and get one done, kind of introduce him, have him kind of tell you some of uh, some things he's seen and uh, done. So uh, welcome aboard, Brother Richard. Good morning. <laughs> it's good to be with you. You bet. <laughs> uh, we just got to talk pretty close into the microphone and um, okay, where did you say you was uh, originally from, Brother Richard? I was born in, uh, not born, but I was raised in Independence, Missouri. Born in Independence, Missouri. When did you get into the ministry? I was in high school, my junior year, so, oh. no, sophomore year. Oh, wow. Then um, that led into, do you go to the seminary? or I felt the call to the ministry when I was in uh high school and kind of began making preparations took speech courses of course uh-huh. <laughs> and then i went to college uh, at bolivar missouri at that time it was southwest baptist college i believe it's southwest baptist university now uh-huh. and from there i went to uh midwestern baptist seminary in kansas city oh wow where was the first church that you got to minister at well the first church that i got to minister at where I actually took part, there was several while in college that we would go on weekends and preach and have services. But there was a, I was in Kansas City and I was uh, at the seminary and I had some friends that had a church out in Grandview, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And he asked me to come. Well, actually, I had another friend that said I needed to go and be his associate pastor. So I went as an assistant pastor for about a year, and then he graduated and went on, and they uh, chose me to be their pastor from that at that point. Oh, wow. So how many years would that make you a, a pastor? Oh, my. Now you're going to have to add. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh that was probably in 70, 73 years, probably around 50 years. 50 years. Be about, I was born in 72. Now, I haven't been in the pastoring ministry continuously all 50 years, but there's been some breaks in there where I wasn't. Um, last week we was talking, and I forgot to ask any questions about it, but you said you was in Cuba? Yes, I have a friend that did uh, mission work. And when we moved up here to Ridgeway, he lives down south. That's where we came from when we came up here. He had a mission organization where he'd take short-term mission trips. And we went to uh, Cuba was one of the places that we were able to go to. Oh, wow. How was the doing missionary work in Cuba? Uh with the group that we were with, everything went smooth and was good. Mm-hmm. One of the things that really uh, got my attention was that 
they said because of the government and the commune, you couldn't build a church there, mm-hmm. but you could uh, add on to your house. So they built their houses upwards. Uh-huh. And up here on the top, they would have their, where they had their church services. Oh, wow. And in one place, we had an open air meeting, which was against the law there. Uh-huh. But if you stick four poles in the ground and throw a canvas over the top of it, it wasn't considered open air. <laughs> was they pretty receptive to the to the word there? People that responded were very receptive, very loving, very responsive. Huh. Where else have you been on mission trips to? I've been to Bolivia twice. My wife went with us once to Bolivia in Argentina. The first time I went to Bolivia. Uh, we went to Argentina. It was a two-country trip. And then I've been to Ghana, South Africa, and India. Oh, wow. How do you like going to the foreign countries? And I enjoyed it very much. I'll tell you this. When, when I was in Argentina, I my, my sermon went about 40, 45 minutes. Uh-huh. And after I finished the service and the sermon and had the invitation and everything, we was on our way back to the place where we were staying, and my interpreter told me you were entirely too short. Oh, wow. <laughs> People here are accustomed to going at least 90 minutes. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> and you, you find the hunger overseas. Is, at that time when we were going, is, is powerful. People are hungry for the Word of God. They would come. Oh, I bet there still are. I mean, places would be packed out and out on the outside of the facility, wherever we were at. I took a friend down to a church in Kansas City. had a lot of Dominicans and uh, uh, Mexican people there, and they just, we was in there two and a half hours and just uh, plum packed. Just uh, the foreign people are so hungry for the for the word, whereas a lot of Americans are um a lot of American people are not as hungry, I guess you'd say. And I, I'll say something else about the mission trip. Mm-hmm. I guess not as much about the mission trip as the culture you're going into. Uh, in America, you can see things on TV and you can hear about things, but it doesn't touch what's going on. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, my wife, when she went, she for probably two or three days was really a cult- in cultural shock because it's so bad over there. You'd see, we saw a mother with her baby on her back going through the garbage with the dogs. Oh, wow. Looking for a, something to eat. We can't even comprehend. I know we've got places that it's bad in America, but we can't comprehend that. I told her the first time when I called back, I said, it is nothing when you get over here like you see on TV. It's so much worse. Mm. But that's a real eye-opener. Yeah. It opens your eyes. We we had a, when me and her were both together, we had the uh, uh, the host pastor, well, it wasn't the host pastor this time. He had been the host pastor the first time, but we was with him. This time, and he had a pastor because they do work up out in the mountains. My wife uh, 
taught in, well, it was a Rama Bible school over there, and she taught in, and she had a policeman that came to her class. And when he wasn't on duty, he was out in the mountains ministering, taking the gospel to the mountains. Mm-hmm. And we had the, the, this pastor that uh, w- was working with the church that was the head church in town out, out in the country, and he wanted us to come to his house. He was so excited for us to come to see his house. And all I can say is you just stand there and cry. And they were so grateful that we would come his house, dirt floor, smoke from cooking that you couldn't hardly see inside the house. Oh, wow. And he was so, I don't know how to use it. He was so excited that we would come and see where he lived. Oh, wow. Praise God. And I mean, it was very touching. Mm-hmm. The people, they love you. I mean, they, the people over there, especially those that, that are involved with church, they love you. Mm-hmm. They're so grateful that you would take your time to come and minister to them. Wish we had that all over America. Yeah. You think America ever was like that? I mean, you're a little older than I am. Did you Have you seen that in America before? Has it just got worse? Or I just- think it has been. I think, of course, there's been great revivals that have caused it. We've had the great awakenings in America that's brought America back to God. I, I, have, I wasn't there to experience it, but I believe those founders that founded our nation, I believe they had a heart and they were on fire for God. Mm-hmm. But it's like me and you were talking about earlier that people... They get going and they're on fire, but then they just seem to get into a rut, you know, mm-hmm. a routine, and they that's just the routine. That's just the way we do it, and they don't want things changed or anything. And uh, the, the revivals that I've been to and experienced myself that I was telling you about, those people, I mean, they were on fire and do anything to, to get more of God and get closer to God have God minister to them. What do you think the the root cause is that, uh, you know, because most of all these churches one time, all the people was fired up for the Lord and, and on fire. I mean, what do you think, what do you think starts leading people the wrong direction where they lose that fire? Is it? I would say people don't like change. And God can start something out, and it be great. But that doesn't mean that's what he's going to have you do forever. Yep. And you get comfortable in what you're doing. And see, th- th- this is the thing that I believe we've got to guard against is becoming comfortable with God. Mm-hmm. Not just church, but with God. Right. And, and, you know, I know there's changes that have come in my life over the years that, you know, did I like all of them? Probably not. I mean, <laughs> I, I come, I, I, I used to say this when we moved back up here in 2000, 
the, my heel marks were all the way from Golden City, Missouri to Bethany <laughs> to, to Ridgeway, Missouri, because I did not want to come. Yep. But when I after after I'd been up here and ministered, and what that did was open the door for me to go overseas. Yep. Which I don't know that that would have ever happened if I'd have stayed where I was at. If that change hadn't happened. Yep. And so I think people basically don't like change. And if they don't follow the change and they get comfortable in what they're doing, then naturally if you get comfortable in what you're doing, the fire's going to go out. That's what, what Jesus said in the book of Revelation to the church at Laodicea. You've, Rich, you don't think you need anymore. Right. Well, basically people who are not on fire for God, that's where they're at. They don't think they need anymore. You're on fire. That is great for you, but I don't need it. Right. Yeah, that's a lot of times. They're always kind of glad to hear your testimony. Then you're kind of like, well, you could do the same. And they're kind of like, well, I don't I don't want to change. I just, I'm doing fine. It was good for you, but I'm I'm doing good. Right. I think some of the cause is, is people stop uh, pouring out. You know, at first they're out witnessing and telling everybody right. their testimony. Then life kind of comes along and they miss a few opportunities and they forget right. to pour out. And man, that'll suck the life out of you. That's one thing if you're not sharing some form or some way. Mm-hmm. If you're not sharing, if nothing's going out, nothing can come back in. Yeah, that's a good point. And if nothing can come back in, you've got nothing fresh. And your encounter just becomes stagnant. That may be the answer to where I was sitting here doing all that reading, but I wasn't really pouring out like I was and just got full and uh needed to start pouring out yeah i think a lot of people in private churches i mean they probably get and read their bible every morning but if they're not telling anybody they're not really getting a new word from the lord and i think another reason people get complacent or lose the fire is they make a mistake or they miss it or they sin Mm-hmm. And they think, and the devil's good at this, jumping on people, making people think that, well, what's the use? And they just either become complacent where they're at or they even just quit going to church, period. Yeah. And it's simply because they don't get took care of what they don't deal with it like they need to. Like you was telling me earlier about quick repentance is kind of a season you're going through now, and of course that ought to be probably every season, I guess, but uh, you kind of let one of them go and you keep piling that up, it can for sure suck the life out of you. Yeah. We we all, and I I mean, in in this time when, even when I haven't been able to pray like I should have or felt I should have anyway, I said, Lord, forgive me. Yep. I mean, because, man I, I, man, I don't want to lose what I got. Yeah, me either. And, and the only way you're going to keep it is just keep going. Yep. And keep pushing in there. Even, even in the times, which will happen, that it doesn't feel like you're going anywhere. It doesn't feel like God's hearing you. It doesn't feel like anything's happening. Mm-hmm. You've got to keep pushing. Because we all go through, eh, listen, everything's not going to be a hundred percent just going full force. 
Sometimes there's dry spells with God. That doesn't mean God's not moving. That doesn't mean that that God's uh, drying everything up on you. You just got to keep pushing on Mm -hmm. and understand that he's always there and that he will always work for your benefit for you to help you. You just got to listen to him and follow him and do what he says. All right. Kind of back to where we've been teaching me at Garden Your Heart. Right. Maybe you ought to speak on that. You want to pray first, Brother Richard, and give us a little <laughs> teaching on Guard Your Heart? Okay. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here and share with Brother Brian, Father. And Lord, I just pray that anybody that hears this today that is being shared, that your Holy Spirit would take the words that are being spoken and that he would minister them to anybody. Lord, you know everybody that's going to hear this, and I ask you to take it and minister to them where they're at, Father, and lift them up and encourage them and challenge them in their walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That scripture that we're talking about, guard your heart, is found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And in the King James Version, it reads, keep your heart. But if you look at the definition, it means guard your heart. Now, we're all, as Christians, as believers, we have a newborn, new created spirit. Paul Paul says, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. That's everybody. And the old has passed away, and, and it's gone. Okay, so now I'm walking with God in a new relationship, and, and, and everything's just going perfect and beautiful, but the only thing is it doesn't do that all the time. Yep. And there will be opportunities that will take place. Either somebody will do something or says something that maybe you get offended over. Yep. And if we're not careful, if we don't guard our heart, you say, well, how would I take care of that? I, I would say, Lord... I don't like what they said, or I don't like what they did. But, Father, I am going to forgive them, and I'm not going to get offended at them. And just just pray to God and, and guard, guard yourself. That's how you guard yourself. You go to God with anything that you might be offended with. And, and you, you take, take care of it. We was talking about... What do you have to guard your heart against? Well, unforgiveness, bitterness, mm-hmm. those things. Pride. Pride, lust, greed. I mean, there's a whole scoop of stuff out here in the world that the devil's going to try to dump on the believer. I think a lot of times we get caught up in thinking we're justified that we can be angry or Hold unforgiveness. That's what the devil is telling us. And so we just uh, go back to we don't quickly repent. And there's nothing we can be justified of whatever happens to us. We got to forgive and repent and move on. I think, you, I know you've heard this, and I probably won't get it perfect, but unforgiveness is the poison that you're trying to give this person out here you're not forgiven, and all the time it's killing you. Right. Your unforgiveness isn't bothering them. They could care less, but all the time it's eating you up. It's destroying you. 
sometimes our unforgiveness, don't you think, can maybe be holding somebody else back too that we need to go to and forgive or? Well, in, in, in a sense, yes, that, that can. Yep. But, but, but I'm, I'm thinking more of, you know, here I think I'm really getting them. Yeah. They're not forgiving them. Oh, I got you. And yep. it's not affecting them at all. Right. Yeah, that and in and, and, and that position, and they don't really care about being held back or not being held back. Yeah. But you are right that, you know, if somebody's watching my life, well, they may not even be that person, but if somebody else is watching my life and they would see that I might have unforgiveness for somebody, that might hinder them in their walk. Yeah. Look, and uh, that's the way with anything and everything. That's why we got to walk what we talk. Yeah. Um, you had me read in uh, Genesis 37 through 40 and just uh, read that and uh, see what Joseph needed to guard his heart against. And I'd come up with bitterness, lust, regret, pity, anger, and uh, fear. Then, of course, both of us knew that he needed to guard his heart against uh um, pride. Um, but you'd read more into that story and uh, of what Joseph had went through, and I can't remember exactly what you said now. Well, he went through, first of all, his dad mm-hmm. made him his favorite son, which wasn't his fault. Right. And his brothers hated him for it. And then God gives him this dream, which... Uh, Again, it's not his fault God gave him a dream. And it's, it's debatable. Now, I don't think that he did wrong in telling his brothers because if he hadn't have told his brothers and the thing happened, they would have not even big deal. Yeah. But having told them, they knew exactly what he told them and it happened exactly as he said it would happen. But the thing with Joseph is this. <clears throat> Everywhere he went, he ended up on top. Yep. Somebody says, how do you know he guarded his heart and didn't have any of that in? This is how I know. Everywhere he went, he ended up on top. He ended up on top of Potiphar's house. The Bible says Potiphar didn't even know what he had. Hmm. He just, the only thing he knew was what he ate. Yep. He just turned it all over to Joseph. Well, if you're harboring things in your heart toward people, that kind of a blessing from God's not going to be on you. Right. And then he gets thrown in jail, and you said, well, what could happen there? Well, he got everything turned over. He was on top in the jail. Everybody was under him. And, and again, to where he ends up on top of the whole country, that doesn't happen when you harbor things in your heart. Right. That wouldn't have happened if he'd have fell for Potiphar's wife. Yep. Trick that she tried to pull on him. As you know, he had to guard his heart against lust. I'm sure right. that's pretty um, well, hard to say no. If, 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 if you read it, she threw herself at him. Yep. But I love his response because his response to me, number one, he said, how can I do this against God? He recognized, if I do this, I'm sinning against God. And all sin is against God. 
But he also recognized her husband. Mm -hmm. It's against him. And in reality, he brings it back, it's against you. He, in his rejection of her, was showing respect to her for her relationship with her husband. Right. And, well, that didn't affect her any. <laughs> she, she made her mad. <laughs> kind of as you're saying there, a lot of times as we're sinning, a lot of times we think, well, we don't want to hurt this person or hurt ourselves, but we forget right. who we're mainly hurting is God. If we could get that as our main focus and we sin that it hurts God, a lot of our stuff would, it would stop. But a lot of times I don't think of that quick enough. Yes, yeah, so that's the key with David. When he sinned with Bathsheba, you go to Psalm 51 where he prayed his prayer. Mm -hmm. He said, against you, God, and you only have I sinned. He recognized who he sinned against. Yeah. yeah, he sinned against her husband, and he sinned against Bathsheba. But in the end, we can recognize that, but we better recognize that it's ultimately against God. I guess you could kind of say when you, um, when you don't recognize that, you know, you're just, uh, when you don't recognize you're uh, sinned against God, you just kind of sometimes... Sorry that you got caught. Kind of a worldly uh, thought, and that's what Paul talks about. I think in Second Corinthians, mm -hmm. he said, "Repentance, godly sorrow, leads to repentance, not like the sorrow of the world." Yep. Because the sorrow of the world doesn't lead to repentance, because it's not sorry for what you did against God. It might be sorry that I'm not going to be blessed mm -hmm. or sorry that I got caught, but I'm going to go out here and do the same thing if I have the opportunity to. That's yep. not repentance. And a lot of that happens because we don't recognize or don't acknowledge who we're, I won't say recognize, how can you, rec how can you not recognize who you're sinning against? We don't acknowledge we're sinning against God. Yeah, I think that was a lot of my problem in my life. I was... Sorry, I got caught, but wasn't really realizing how much I was hurting God. I could see how much I was hurting people or hurting my own situation, but then just kind of having that worldly sorrow, but not that real repentance. I'd ask God to forgive me, but I wasn't really repenting because, crap, I got caught, and I'll have to figure out another way and do it again. So and I finally <laughs> figured out I'm hurting God. That makes a difference. Yes. Big difference. Right. And you're hurting yourself because you're keeping yourself from a relationship with God, which is the most important thing you can have. Right. Then just he's a garden. He's hard against uh, the anger against his brother and um, and that just would, bitterness. And that, that would that would go again again with unforgiveness because really, if you're unforgiven, you're you end up being angry with people you haven't forgiven. Right. You don't want nothing to do with them, and you know. You've heard the story that if you've really repented, when you're walking down the street and you, sat, you see him, you won't go over here to the other side of the street to pass him by. Right. Um, what is your teaching on how to, um, the best way to keep guarding your heart? Just Well, number one, stay in prayer. Keep a relationship with God, a, a close relationship with God, because we know that we all sin. 
Yep. And we know we all miss it. And the Holy Spirit convicts us of that sin. And to quickly, immediately, as soon as I know, repent and take care of it. Yep. And along with that, we need to stay in the Word, build ourselves and fortify ourselves with the Word of God and have the Word of God there. You know, when Jesus was tempted, he said, it is written. And the Holy Spirit was giving him what to say. Mm -hmm. Well, if you don't ever get into the Word, the Holy Spirit doesn't have much for you in your arsenal to use against the devil. Mm -hmm. So you need to stay in the Word and get the Word in you and before the Word of God. That's a way we can guard our heart. Yep. It's a good word. Um, well, next week we'll give Brother Richard a little time to prepare for the teaching that he'll bring, and we'll... Uh, uh, do another one then, um, and just uh, I think we just see a lot of people in our churches that are, me and Brother Richard's just got content, and I think, you know, if they'd start uh, pouring out, and uh, instead of sitting there and just their traditions, there'd just be, probably would be another great awakening coming, but um, thanks for all listening, uh, I'll pray here real quick, then we'll be, uh, next week we'll be better prepared. <laughs> <laughs> dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this wonderful day, dear God. We thank you for this podcast. We thank you for Brother Richard, dear God, and just his love he has for you and just such an example that he is, dear God. We pray that you just bless his life. We pray that you just, uh, um, this uh, podcast just uh, speaks to one, someone, dear God, that uh, um, gives them a lesson of how to guard your heart and uh, quickly repent. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Brother Richard. You're welcome. Glad to be here.